Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, a podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad. I have with me Father Chris. Father Chris, welcome back to Catholic Bites. Thank you. Very excited about this podcast. Yes, this is a, this is the winner-take-all death match of Summa Theologiae Roulette. Uh, we've played a previous game of Bible Roulette in which we surprised ourselves with how good we did, uh, yeah. believe it or not. Um, although we would, you'd think that we probably should know the Bible. Right, but it's... Know. It's a big book, so I was expecting something from like oh, like just a genealogy, just middle of nowhere, yeah, you know, Leviticus. And well, it's maybe like, it's ah. just the parts where I pray has just happened to be like <laughs> worn, be, yeah. like the crease is kind of worn in them. But anyway, today we are tackling the Summa. So uh, we, ha- I have a five volume set of Saint Thomas Aquinas's Summa Theologiae, and we have divided up two volumes each, and then the, we'll save the third and the fifth in case we need a winner take all death match, mm. you know. But we will each. Um, thumb through it and the other will say stop and then we will read that question i think we should read the should we read the the corpus or should we read the objections or mm. the said contra or the whole thing i don't think we can read the whole thing no we're not gonna read the whole thing that would be let's crazy. do the first paragraph of the corpus okay okay and then we have to kind of guess what part of the summa it is and i don't think we're gonna be able to guess the question numbers i mean it depends if on you're how really good, you good yeah i guess but um but what kind of basically is being talked about? Yeah. What the what context? The, what and everything. The, yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. I will start. You can sit. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Um. Here it is. I answer that as the philosopher says in speaking of habits of virtue, it is a natural thing for a thing to be increased by that which causes it. Now it is evident that a sin is caused by a defect in some circumstance, because the fact the because the fact that a man departs from the order of reason is due not to his observing the due circumstances in his action. Wherefore it is evident that it is natural for a sin to be aggravated by reason of its circumstances. This happens in three ways. I'm not going to read all three ways. Okay. What part of the oh my gosh. what part of the, the Summa is it? All right, first? so first of all, we're in the Prima Secundae. That's correct. The so, Prima Secundae, just for the listeners, is the, the, the Secundae, the second part of the Summa, is um, the moral section. So that's how he knew that. He heard the word vice, and that's how he knew yeah. it. Well, and also, so the first part of the second part uh, mm-hmm. deals more with just general morals. Yeah. And then the second part of the second part deals with the particular virtues. Yeah, exactly. So this is just dealing with, it sounds like, uh, the causes of sin, mm-hmm. um, and whether sin maybe is a habit within us. Mm. Um, so that's that's part of. So the 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 question is of the comparison of one sin with another. Ah, uh, in ten articles. Okay, so the reason this is relevant, um, just as an aside. Mm. The virtues are all connected. This is why when you're like freaking out because you're thinking I need to grow in all the virtues and I'm just a disaster, pick one. And if you grow in one virtue, you grow in all of them. Yeah. So the question that Thomas asks, which is very pertinent, like, okay, well, if I start falling into one Mm -hmm. sin, does that mean like they're all connected and I'm going to fall into all the other sins Mm -hmm. as well? Well, that's not quite what he's talking about here, though. There's something a little bit different. Oh, well, please. So this is whether circumstances aggravate a sin. And so he's comparing different types of sins and how grievous they are. And he says, well, okay. Um, can the circumstances surrounding something aggravate how sinful something is? So, for example, if it's like crazy hot outside, mm-hmm. and so I'm just more naturally inclined towards anger. Mm-hmm. Does, is that what he's talking about? Or more like, okay, you're in a, um, you've got, you're, you're firing your gun to to test it out, 
uh, and you know whether it is uh, aggra- like well, maybe you're firing your gun a little recklessly. Mm-hmm. If you're firing your gun a real <laughs> little recklessly, that's a sin regardless. Sure. But if you're doing it at a shooting range, it's a little bit different than if you're doing it in a schoolyard. Oh, you know, sure, sure. one is the circumstance clearly makes one worse than the other. Yep. Right. Okay, good. Let's wow, move well, on that was to the not next one. Particularly, no, I, I, I'll give you half points. All right, half points. I'll you got that. the you got the exact the part of the sumo at least. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> Stop. Ooh, interesting. Good luck on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I answer that. On this point, there seems to be a diversity of opinion between Basil and Chrysostom. The latter says that there is only one heaven and that the words heavens of heavens are merely the translation of the Hebrew idiom, according to which the word is always used in the plural, just as in Latin, there are many nouns that are wanting in the singular. On the other hand, Basil, or Basil, whom Damascene follows, says that there are many heavens. The difference, however, is more nominal than real, for Chrysostom means by the one heaven, the whole body that is above the earth and the water, for which reason the birds that fly in the air are called birds of heaven. But since in this body there are many distinct parts, Basil said that there are more heavens than one. Okay, wow. So this is definitely the prima pars, the first part. Mm-hmm. Um, I partially knew that because when you held up the book, I <laughs> saw it on the spine. But I knew that before you held up the book. I, I it just confirmed things. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so the prima pars, the first part of the Summa, is the part that talks about God himself and then God's creation. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of... All the way down, it talks about man a lot in that, but then also the angels and the heavens. Mm-hmm. So he must be, the question must be about the nature of heaven, or it's not? So the question is, uh, yeah, the nature of heaven, whether there is only one heaven okay. is the question. Yes, figured that out. Mm-hmm. And the answer, he's going between, I guess, two different ancient sources that seem to suggest well, one is... You know, and I bet one of his said contras is St. Paul saying, you know, he was taken up into the third heaven, but describing the different modes of heavenly being and how mm. there could be one versus another or something like that. Is that right? So, no, uh, sort of. So he's dealing with the work of creation mm-hmm. and the different days, right? So Genesis oh. divides. The so the creation of the creation of the heavens exactly. is one. Okay. And so he's asking, you know, well, okay, what is when when Genesis says God created the heavens and the earth? What does that mean? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yep. Good. Okay, your turn. Alrighty. Um, Stop. Nope. Uh, hang on. One more. <laughs> nope. What do you mean? Lots of charts. Those oh, are charts. Okay. okay this is going to be easy. Um, here it is. I answer that. To each thing that is benefiting what belongs to it by reason of its very nature. Let me start to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> to each thing that is benefiting which belongs to it by reason of its very nature. Thus, to reason befits man, since this belongs to him because he is of a rational nature. But the very nature of God is goodness, as is clear from Dionysius. Hence, what belongs to the essence of goodness befits God. But it belongs to the essence of goodness to communicate itself to others, as is plain from Dionysius. Hence, it belongs to the essence of the highest good to communicate itself in the highest manner to the creature. And this is brought about chiefly by his so joining created nature to himself that one person is made up of three, the word, a soul, and flesh, as Augustine says. Hence it is manifest that it was fitting that God should become incarnate. Wow. Okay. So we're in the, the third part. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you guess what question? Ooh, so I don't know what question. Um, 
it's early enough on because he, he first starts talking about the so the, the third part is basically Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um and this is obviously on the the necessity of the incarnation. Or the fittingness the of fittingness, the incarnation. Right. Yep. Was it necessary? And he says, Well, no, but it was fitting, right? Yeah. Um so on the fittingness of the incarnation. Fittingness just means like yeah, it makes sense that this would happen right. this way. Not necessary, but it, it does make sense. Yeah. Um, there's not much more to say about it. I mean, in a sense, he's going to get into... Well, why is he... What, what's his argument? What is it, when All those you know, strange-sounding words, what is he saying? <laughs> um, that is a great question. <laughs> that basically... Um, I stopped listening once I figured out where it was. <laughs> <laughs> so basically he's saying, okay, it makes sense that God would become incarnate because goodness of itself wants to communicate itself. Right. And God so wants to pour himself out into his creation that he becomes one of us right. in order to in order to communicate that goodness. Right. And so it's actually question one of the third part of the Summa. Oh, see what so threw me the off. Very was... beginning he's saying, why are we talking about the incarnation at all? Is it fitting? And it says, yep, this is one of the reasons why. That makes sense. I should have I, I should have known that. Yes, right. you should have, but that's okay. Well, thus far you are winning, Father. Just barely. Stop. <laughs> oh man. This is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one. I'm kind of jealous. Um this is super easy. Okay. I answer that it is proper to justice, as compared with the other virtues, to direct man in his relation with others, because it denotes a kind of equality, as its very name implies. Indeed, we are wont to say that things are adjusted when they are made equal, for equality is in reference of one thing to some other. All right, there's way too much of this entire paragraph, but that's enough. Okay, well, so we're in the secunda secunde. So as you said earlier, the second part of the second part, which is about specific virtues, this part is obviously about justice, which is somewhere in like the 30s, no, 40s. It's pretty far down there. Yeah, keep going. 50s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Um. I should know this. I did you a should. lot I was gonna say, about religion. So this is question 57. Yeah. So, and he's talking about the nature of justice, right? And and one of the aspects of justice being equality, um, which is why I, I almost thought it was a question about the virtue of religion, because that's justice, but with a certain inequality. Right, right, right. But justice is giving the due to another person and distributing things equally. And so when he says some things are adjusted, it means that everything has been given where it ought to go. Yep. So really, I mean, I should have uh, kept going. If I kept going, you would have known it. This specifically is on the question of right, on use, mm, right? Which okay. Is we get the word justice. Gotcha. Uh, uh, because, yeah, what is someone's due? What does that mean that someone has a something due to them? Mm-hmm. What does it mean that someone has a right to something? Yeah. Cool. Okay, let's do one more from, do the, one more? from right. the fifth volume. And we'll, we'll each we'll trade off because that's the supplementum too. So some of it's uh, not necessarily... From St. Thomas, but right. well, it's all from St. Thomas, isn't it? It's just different. Oh, well, yeah, they just of... took it from. Um... Yeah, we'll, we'll try uh... to stay away from the soup supplement. Okay, well, that's we got to go right here, I guess. Okay, stop. Okay, I answer that men are said to be devoid of reason in two ways: first, when they are feeble-minded, as a man who sees dimly is said not to see, and since such persons cannot conceive some devo- devotion towards the sacrament, it is not to be denied them. In another way, men are said not to possess fully the use of reason. Either then they have never had the use of reason or have remained so from birth, and in that case, this sacrament is not to be given them because in no way has there been any preceding devotion towards the sacrament, or else they were not always devoid of reason, and then when they formally had their wits, they showed devotion toward the sacrament. It ought to be given to them in the hour of death. 
Unless danger be feared of vomiting or spitting it out. That gave it away. Yeah, I, I knew already, though. Okay. So uh, this is uh, the third part. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about basically if, if a lack of reason uh, prohibits somebody or inhibits somebody from receiving Holy Communion. Uh, and basically his point is, I mean, a mouse can receive communion and is not brought into union with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he says, well, can a human being, what is it that brings us into relationship or into union with God? It is our spiritual faculties, mm-hmm. um, our ability to reason. Uh, faith, ultimately, right? Yeah, that's uh, what I preached about today, actually. Hello. So it works out. Uh, right, we need faith in order to, to really be brought into union with God. Um, and so he says, well, if, if somebody's not able to have that, you know, that, that would seem to inhibit mm-hmm. uh, them from receiving communion. Yeah, but he does say, if you have had it in the past, exactly. that's enough to kind of like give your soul the ability to yeah. receive communion. And obviously this is something that like continues to be debated. I mean, yeah. it's a pretty, yeah. Cool. All righty. Stop. Mm. This is obviously also the third, the third part. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. All right. I answer that. Many opinions prevailed on of old on this matter. Some held that in this sacrament there was no breaking at all in reality, but merely in the eyes of the beholders. But this contention cannot stand because in this sacrament of truth, the sense is not deceived with regard to its proper object of judgment. And one of these objects is breaking, whereby from one thing arise many. And these are common sensibles, as is stated in Dianima 2. Okay. <laughs> breaking. That sounds like, is this about the Eucharist too? Mm-hmm. So is it about the fittingness of the bread being broken? No. I've, I didn't even know this was. What's the question? Whether the sacramental species are broken in this sacrament. Huh. So, yeah. I mean, I think I <laughs> did not. This is fun. Um, I have not seen this one. So basically, um, is it just the, he's asking? Is it just the accidents that are being broken, or is the, the oh, species okay. itself? Yeah. Is it like broken? you get part of Jesus's hand and you get part of Jesus's toe, or something like that? I think that? so. Yeah. Um, Which clearly, you receive all the Christ when all of Christ when you receive the host. It doesn't matter if you receive just a little part of it; you receive all of Christ. Right. Ultimately, he's going to say it cannot be said that Christ's true body is broken. Yeah. Uh, first of all, because it's incorruptible and impassable. Uh, secondly, because it is entire under every part. Yeah. Uh, so exactly what you were saying. So the sacrament conveys to us in a spiritual and sacramental way and not in a like overly physical way. Okay. So before we close here, mm-hmm. why is Thomas so like, that seems such a ridiculous, like minute detail of the I Eucharist. Know, why so does great. he? I just love it. I love every part of this. Right. This is the best game we've ever played. <laughs> Why Why does that matter? Why do these things, like, yeah. who, who cares? Well, because what Thomas does is he takes what we know about, so theology is primarily taking what God reveals to us and then using our minds to think about it and to right. go deeper. And you, you almost never know, like, just like almost any scientific inquiry is going to be valuable if it leads to deeper truth, you know, provided it's under right judgment and all these different things. It's the same thing with 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 theology, like, we use our mind to pursue truth right. and see where we find it. And that gives us that pursuit of truth, even if it's like tangential, gives us some reflection on the truth that we're trying to grow in our understanding of. And I, I do think there's also this element of like you encounter, I mean, when we encounter someone else that totally changes our world mm-hmm. and we're like, Oh my gosh, how do I make sense of everything now that I've encountered this person? Right. Yeah. Everything changes. And so now I have to readjust how I see things to accommodate this experience that I've had, mm. which is kind of like what happens with faith. We have faith, we encounter the Lord, 
And there was, well, how do I make sense of what is taking place in the mass? How do I make sense of, you know? Yeah. And so he's just trying to, to really conform his mind more to, to this event that takes place in the heart uh, when, mm-hmm. when someone receives the gift of faith. And he does so in a really systematic way. He and that's does. how we get these different things. That's yeah. what's wonderful about St. Thomas's mind. It's both creative and, and like beautifully attracted to the Lord and has a profound, intimate encounter with it, but also is super systematic. Mm-hmm. And he just wants to, let's just pursue so him. He's just a good teacher. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. St. Thomas is the best. All those, all those haters out there, you know. Gonna hate. Yeah, that's right. But we're gonna enjoy our Summa. And this episode has gone a little too long. <laughs> but um, if you stuck with us through the end, thank you for doing so. Uh, if you like this talk or you wanted to listen to other great Catholic podcasts, you can find us at catholicbytespodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Catholic Bites is a production of Catholic Cast Media. Thank you and God bless you. <laughs>